This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Join Justin Townsend and the Harvesting Nature crew as they explore the world of cooking wild fish and game while sharing recipes, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from their pursuit of wild food. We sure hope you ate before the show, because you're going to leave hungry. This is the Wild Fish and Game Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Harvest and Nature's Wild Fishing Game Podcast. You got your host here, Justin Townsend. And uh, today, on this date, in October, we're hosting a very special uh, live version. So this is the first time, actually no, it's not the first time, it's the third time that we're using the podcast studio, aka my basement, uh, as an actual podcast studio. So to paint the picture here, I'm sitting across two from two of my good buddies whom I'm going to introduce in just a moment. And we're sitting here in the, the office with the, the American flag and the Coast Guard flag and antelope mount and signs and guns and electronics and spice blends and all those things that that encompass the world of harvesting nature <laughs> are here. Um, and we're going to do a little recap. As you guys know, if you've been listening to the show long enough, or if you haven't, you're about to learn. Uh, I like to do kind of cool trip recaps. And uh, we're going to do one coming up probably next next episode for Colin and Ben's elk hunt out in Oregon. Because they spent quite a bit of time uh, archery elk. So, um, But this is going to be focused mainly on Colorado antelope. And it's not an intensive, in, inclusive, in deep dive into it. Uh, it's We basically spent like a weekend out, uh, had some weather come in, which cut it a little short. But we'll go through some some highlights, some ups and downs. I'll tell you, we did come home with meat. We did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is an important caveat to this. Um, 
But before we kick off, I'll, I'll, I'll hit up on some other news. So uh, right now, as of this recording, we have two spots left at the pig camp. So he had some cancellations due to some scheduling conflicts. So we've got two open spots. Uh, that'll be the first, is it first or second weekend in December? Let me look real quick. It is the second weekend in December, the 8th through the 11th, down in Texas, just northwest of Dallas. We'll be hosting our second ever wild pig hunting camp uh, where you can learn to shoot, hunt, butcher, process, and cook wild pigs. It's going to be a great time. So two spots open. Head over to our website. uh, Check that out. You'll see the heading there, Wild Pig Camp. Uh, Also, too... um, we're currently sitting on three wild fit or three wild food blends. We've got we got the big game blend, we've got the uh, upland fowl blend, and we've got the wild fish blend. We've got those available in the store for sale. Ship anywhere, uh, just about. Um, and then we're pending two the release of two. So we've got our uh, small game blend, which I think we're the only company to have a small game blend. But that just shows you how important I think small game uh, hunting is. I think everybody at some point in their life has probably hunted some sort of small game. Uh, I definitely encourage the eating of it. Um, so we wanted to create its own blend. And then we're also going to have the waterfowl blend, which I'm definitely going to put to use. I think we're going to put it to use for sure this uh, this winter. So keep an eye out for the release of those. And then also coming up, uh, we're in the month of October, so towards the end of this month, uh, keep an eye out for the fall issue of Harvesting Nature magazine. So pretty excited about that. It's got a good lineup. Got some uh, elk hunting stories. We got some elk recipes. We got some antelope recipes. We got some pinion nuts stories. We've got uh, bird hunting, uh, conservation news. We've, we've got kind of like the whole shebang, just like always. So uh, you know, keep an eye out for that. It's always good. Awesome, great photo essays, beautiful cover photography. We've already picked it. I'm not going to spill the beans on what it is, uh, but it's pretty cool. And then uh, really, I think the next big event for me is I'm heading up to Wyoming uh, here next weekend um, to go hunt mule deer and antelope up there. Uh, It's one of my favorite places to go hunting. Um, So really excited for that. So I'm sure prepare yourself for a recap episode of that too, coming down the way, but, uh, definitely be some more food conversation episodes in between those. Uh, but I will now introduce to you the two people sitting across from me. Well, I'm going to tell you their names and then they're going to introduce themselves. So I hope you guys have something prepared. Just think, think about whatever you want to say. Uh, so Eric, Go ahead, go first. Yeah, so my name's Eric Jones. I grew up in Florida. Mm-hmm. I grew up hunting whitetail deer, small game, uh, fishing in a creek for bluegill and warmouth bass, if that's even a thing anymore. Um, Wait a minute. What was that? Warmouth bass. So it's what uh, it's what they call small mouths. Oh, down got in the it. Southeast. Okay. Um, but. From there, grew up into being a hunter and fisherman as an adult, Uh, spent some time working for the state as a park ranger, doing some conservation work there, and then um, ultimately chased my dream of moving out west and getting into some of this action out here. Nice. And you've been out here two years now? Two years, roughly, yeah. Okay, cool. Tom? Hi, everybody. I'm Tom Russo from God's Country, otherwise known as Texas. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, they are the bigger brother of Oklahoma. Um, Thank you for the reminder. I <laughs> uh, grew up in the southeast part of Texas, um, hunting rabbit, squirrel, you name it, and then advanced to deer, hog, and have loved ever since as a family tradition. Um, basically, been all over the country and finally got moved out here to the Colorado, uh, Aurora area. And yep, went on my first ever antelope hunt with uh, you and Eric. Yep, which is an important moment here. And we're also missing, she'll likely join us at some point, but uh, Zoe, my daughter, went with us too. And um, the plan is for her to make her first podcast uh, podcast um, debut tonight. But she's currently eating because she's got back from rugby training so um we'll go ahead and continue with her and she can hop in wherever and i'm sure she's going to have some comments of her own uh naturally but uh so let's let's start sort of how we got there and we'll paint the picture so uh we hunted an area down in southeast colorado ish down southeast of pueblo so if you picture the i-25 corridors they call it here it's to the eastern side of that but um it was not our first choice. <laughs> uh, I'll let Eric, if you want to go into because this came per your experience last year sort of with it. Yeah, so I hunted that unit last year, had a successful hunt there last year. It was my first ever antelope hunt. Last uh, year. Last year. Nice. Um, and so whenever I, I tried to draw this year, point creep's a real thing, and um, I didn't draw my pick. So, um, didn't draw the second, no, the second draw we did draw. We were yep. all over here at yeah, your yeah. house for a barbecue and, uh, having a good time talking about doing an antelope hunt. We all put in for units and this was our fourth choice on the second draw. <laughs> and <laughs> that's what we drew. Um, I knew the area. I knew there was a little bit of public land down there. So that was why I was hoping that we drew there because most of the units left in the secondary had little to no public. Mm -hmm. So that was why I recommended, at least I knew that we could hunt it. Yeah. And going down there, I looked at the, on the way back up the leftover tags, there were still three leftover tags for this unit. Yeah. And so that's after the first drawing, the second drawing, and then the initial run, which at this point were two months after they released the leftover tags. So there was 133 leftovers for here after the second draw oh yeah i looked at it so that means 130 people bought before i looked at it correct <laughs> which is insane we, i think we saw them all uh, yeah every, <laughs> every, one, of every one of them all on the roads yeah yeah uh, i think like antelope is one of those things that it's it's very it's very common to see people sort of road hunting them and uh because they're like very usually very visible, but like I told you guys, a lot of the success I've had with antelope hunting is like finding those like little pockets of land that people overlook from the road, and then like all you gotta do is like get over the hill and like you know see this spot, and there's like oh look wow there's a herd of antelope bedded down there. So um, we we definitely had some tactics going into it, and I think uh, I think our tactics were good. Um, it, it was kind of like, it's always that 
bet whenever you hunt and travel of like you're kind of like hunting slash scouting and it usually like takes you a couple days to work into it and i usually say it takes you like four days it's like one day the first day is completely wasted like if you harvest an animal on the first day it's usually out of just like pure luck and then like the second day you're like okay we're gonna dial in a little bit more and then like the third day usually you see an animal and then like the fourth day is like all right I know where I need to be. I know where they're moving. I know how to be in position and like usually get set up pretty well to like take the animal. So that's like when I hunt and travel, I always try to do like three to four days, but we did this one basically in two or one and a half, one and a one half. And a half. Cause we got rained out on the last day. Um, but it, it was still good. I mean, that's all that time would allow for us. Uh, it was, it was local here. So we just went down and just knocked out real quick. So this is not a big epic saga. But it is a saga, and it is epic. It's just not an epic saga. Um, there was definitely a share, a fair share of drama. Yeah. There. Oh yeah, we're gonna get into that. But Tom, what was like coming into it? What was your perception of like what you thought antelope hunting would be? And feel free to recap like conversations that you and I had, or like um, anything. So on the way down there, um, we were talking about how this was gonna really defer from my hunting experience in Texas and Arkansas, mm -hmm. which I'm used to sitting in a stand. Mm -hmm. And you explained to me that it's going to be a lot of stock. It's going to be a lot of walking, mm -hmm. long miles, mm -hmm. as I must say. Mm -hmm. um, I think I lost like 10 pounds. but um, And then you told me that you're gonna, you and Eric were going to show me the ropes, basically, on how to go about getting up close and uh, trying to get up on an antelope basically to see if I could shoot it or not. We know we went over a bunch of the regs. We went over about how, what they look like, the black patches on the uh, lower part of the back jaw, mm -hmm. um, how to tell the difference between a male and a female, the antler length on what was legal, what was not legal for a female tag. Mm -hmm. um, and then you explained to me um, like, Hey, this is, First day is basically comprised of trying to figure out where they're at, where they're located, what position we can get into, how we're going to meet up with Eric. Eric was already out there, by the way, mm -hmm. um, setting up everything, sc scouting it out, scoping everything out, getting us, trying to get us success down there. Yeah, uh, so we, we, <laughs> we, we could not make it down the Friday before. So the season opened on a Saturday morning. We couldn't, so Tom and I decided to get up at 3.30 in the morning and drive the three hours down to uh, down to there while dragging Zoe along, too. Uh, not against her will because she wanted to come, but uh, she was actually super excited to come, and I wish she would come down here. But um, So can you tell us a little bit about your experience with this unit last year? Yeah, so um, last year, again, this unit doesn't have a ton of public. Um, it does have some that, but it's just not good antelope country from what I see. Um, and last year opening, I did the same thing you guys did, which was I drove down the morning of the opener daybreak, got into a spot that I had pre-scouted earlier in the summer. And I sat that first spot that we sat on all day last year. And then um, I had a doe tag and right around sunset, a yearling buck walked out on the day of the opener. And I put a stalk on him, got all the way within 
maybe a hundred yards and decided to pass because I couldn't tell if he was legal or not because the like I said the regs are under five inches for mm-hmm. the horns. Um, I went back, did some actual antelope biology studying about the length of the ears and all of that, and convinced myself that he was a legal animal for that tag. Um, also, the weird thing about him, he didn't have a black patch. Oh, not yet. Yeah, so he uh, probably was true, like true yearling. True yearling, right? So Did he that, still have the like mohawk on the back. Yep. Yeah, but uh, like a true yearling. So I said to my, I went and sat the next spot the next morning, and I said, if if he comes out, I'm going to let my hunting partner, who was there with me, also on his first antelope hunt, put a stalk on him, which he did, successful, and uh, got down there, and he decided he wasn't comfortable shooting. He came back up and I said, well, dude, I'm going to go after this antelope. So I went down there, got within a hundred yards of him again, um, in, in the areas, no cover other than that small amount of sage mm-hmm. that you saw. So I was just low crawling for like 700 yards, <laughs> got up to him and, uh, you know, successful shot. Yeah. I put, went down right away. Uh, so I was pretty excited. I mean, I was happy with the, you know, the outcome of my hunt last year. But yeah, I wasn't, it was a successful hunt, but it wasn't, you know, your dream antelope hunt yeah. for your start. Was it, you know, that was kind of how it went last year. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So now we're joined by Miss Zoe Catherine. Zoe, you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Zoe Catherine. <laughs> you want to tell us about yourself, about your hunting experience and fishing? Uh, I mostly do fishing um, because I haven't got into hunting, like fully hunting. But I love fishing more than hunting because it's easier and actually not that long. What do you mean not that long? Um, like, you find a fish, you cast a rod, um, you put the, or before you cast a rod, you put on the bait, all that stuff. Oh, so you're saying the length of time it takes to be productive is shorter. Yes. Okay, gotcha. And what's your... What's your favorite part about hunting and fishing? Getting all the meat. Yeah? Why is that? Because you get you get to try different kinds of meat and different kinds of fish. It's actually really good. Well what's special about the wild meat? You don't you know where it came from. Well yeah, but for you. What's special about wild meat for you? That that's that's the only meat you get to eat. 
Yeah, that's the only one I get to eat. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we've got it. So you can join us in on this conversation. You can say whatever you want um, at any time. Don't wait till you're asked. You can just say a comment. Uh, it's just like us talking, but without headsets. Okay. Um, so what did you think about when I asked you to come down with us? I was happy because I want to see see what it's like. What's what what like? Like what it is to be antelope hunting because I've never been antelope hunting before. Got it. So you're excited to go? Yes. Nice. And then what do you think whenever we got down there? What about how the environment looked like? Can it you describe like it? De- it? It had cracked um, ground with a lot of gorges. What a gorgeous gorge there was when we saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What was the name of that one? Um, George, George the Curious Gorge. Yep. Yep. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so that that's a perfect segue. So we'll talk a little bit about so the environment we were in. So my experience hunting antelope has mainly been uh, in s- central Wyoming, which is more rolling plains, um, kind of like grazing area, you would think, versus this uh, location is more, it's very, it's, southwest colorado it's like southwest colorado northern new mexico like there are patches of like grass grazing area but i i would feel like a lot of it i mean there was chala cactuses there's like nopalas cactus there's there's cedar there's pinyon pine there are a lot of uh a lot of geographic features as far as like bluffs and hogbacks and buttes and gorges and dry river bottoms and things like that. So it wasn't what I would say like typically I would hunt antelope at, which would be like a big open area with grass and a lot of, you know, sage and food and stuff that they enjoy. So I think that that was reflective of the amount of animals that we saw, but also too, there's not a lot of water there. Right. And I think that was also reflective of where we started to see the animals at was within proximity of, like, some of the water troughs. Well, and I will say that uh, this year is a lot drier down yeah. there than last year. So I, that was a big difference because I had – my scouting had all come from last year's trip. Yep. So I thought, hey, I'm going to go back to the same spots I was at last year. But this year it was so much – there was just nothing for them to eat. There was no water. There was no No, it green. was not green. I think sage was green maybe. Some spots we found one hill that was kind of green. Um which uh, I think too was evident because I was telling you about the pinion nuts uh, from the the pinion pine and how uh, Erica Davis, who's she's known as the Wild Food Girl, she's been on on the podcast before, uh, talking about foraging in the Rocky Mountains in Colorado and stuff like that. Uh, she said that this year would not be a good year for pinion because it was so dry, and so uh, the weekend. Before this, or two weekends before, I forget which my my season's running together now. I was over on the west side of the I twenty five corridor, probably about four hours to the west. No, not four hours, two hours to the west from where we were. And there, I was finding pinion nuts with full fruit inside the nut. And here, we cracked several pinion nuts, and they're like shriveled up 
uh, seeds inside. Like not great, not not your typical uh, pinion nut or pine nut you would think of. It was like very not great, right, Zoe? Yeah, it kind of felt like a dried out mushroom, but it or not mushroom um, marshmallows, oh. just without like the crack in it. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. All right. I'll I'll take that. Um, let's see. Anything else for the environment? You guys think? No. Nothing. No. I mean, nothing like I said, it it was just really dry this yeah. year. That was the big thing. I was surprised at how dry it was. And then the locations we were hunting at, like Eric mentioned earlier, like little amounts of private land, or sorry, large amounts of private land, little amounts of public land. Uh, so you can imagine if you've got maybe five huntable pieces of land and over probably 200, 300 hunters, I would say they weren't all there in that proximity, but probably throughout the week in and out um, that you would see them come in and out. We definitely saw a lot, a lot of hunters, a lot of pressure. Uh, so we'll go ahead and start with the first day. Uh, so we call Eric's already down there. He's set up waiting for us. He's going to meet us at the spot at basically sunrise. Tom and I are in the truck and I, uh, we call or Eric calls me and you give me the lay down of like, what's going on. Yeah. Um, there was an idiot out on the, uh, out on the public that we were planning to hunt. It's the a, best part. it's an, it, what? The best part about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this is a state trust land. Yeah, which is not only accessible by foot is uh, so uh, some I think that's pretty much a blanket rule for all state trust land across the state. I don't know any of it that you can actually drive on. It's only open um, sunrise to sunset. You can't camp on it. So I get there and there is this guy driving right out into the middle of the only one mile by one mile sized land that we can hunt. Which was the same spot you shot your antelope yeah. last year, yep, so same you're like familiar with it. I'm familiar with it. Um, the scouting I had done the year before, I went down and there was a herd of you know 20 antelope. It was, I mean, I felt good about this spot. Yeah. And um, so, but at this point, I've kind of committed because there's so many hunters in such little area that now I either have to deal with this Yahoo out here and the driving in the middle of it. Or I've got to try and hope that one of the other spots isn't taken. Yeah. Um, and it's already getting, you know, we're after sun, sunrise at this point. Um, so I ultimately waited on you guys, but I thought our best decision was to be just to go ahead and hopefully he'll be out of there soon enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that was, I don't know if you want to take it, take sure. kick so- it back over there. So we got there, and I never, never heard. I had heard the the expression, but I'd never experienced it in life. But the like sea of orange that people always talk about for a second and third elk rifle here in Colorado, because it's like the over the counter tags, is like that was this scenario played out. Uh, we got in, and like we parked next to Eric, but along this stretch of road for like the one mile, there were four other vehicles, three or four other vehicles, three other vehicles. And then the one in, in the middle. Um, and I was just like, Holy smokes. And then there's like four guys that get out of one vehicle <laughs> and then us four 
and like we're we're basically like racing them to get all of our stuff together and we had kind of like thrown everything in the truck this morning the morning so we were trying to get it all together and get zoe together and just get out to the spot so uh those guys like started walking in we started walking in we saw what we thought was another guy at another spot which ended up being a bucket but <laughs> we later found out there's like another guy walking the ridge well there was a there, there was a guy over by that bucket he just didn't have any orange oh on. that's right the guy with the no the no orange on which wow you yeah. got very lucky to get away yeah we'll come back don't don't give that away yet <laughs> we'll come back to that um so we go out and like set in this spot basically and at this point it's just like we we walk past the truck that's parked there and we're like oh yep all right so there's somebody parked here and so we go up and we sit and we're like well hopefully this works out so we sit on the ridge for a bit and um really like see all the people driving around like because we're probably half mile from the road and just people cruising up and down the road stopping looking seeing us keep going watch the other hunters move around and this goes on for a while um and then so we are probably 400 yards from where this truck is parked at but we're like up on the side of the hill well the person who leased the land from the state to like run cattle on or do whatever comes like we only assume that it's him because this other vehicle comes out drives out there and parks behind the uh the person's truck and we're like all right well this is obviously going to be very interesting and so then we then we uh he then comes over to us yeah uh well he came over i we were the closest ones to the truck. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's a natural assumption. Naturally, be like those. Those are the lazy people there because right. they parked exactly where they were going to go. S- exactly. Sit. Um, so he comes up. So I decide that I'm going to go down and meet him down um, off the hill, so he doesn't have to come up and talk to us. And I'm like, "Hey, man, you know, it's not us. We're it's not our vehicle. I, you know." And he was, uh, for lack of better, he was pissed that yeah. they were out there. Um, we could hear him up on the hill. Yeah, he gave you he even after you told him like that's not my truck, he like gave you an earful about like why it's not okay to park your truck out there. And right. I was like, but it's not us. And he's like, I don't care. It's like yeah. yeah. I mean, and at the same time, you know, it's I understand why the dude's upset. Yeah, and I just tried to diffuse it the best that I could and kind of talk him off the ledge, but um. And then he, uh, but ultimately he was fine with me once he figured out it wasn't my truck. And, yeah. uh, you know, and then he went on and some other people came out and talked to him and I don't know, at some point the, the game warden was called. Yep. Uh, because the next person to come out was the game warden. And this was like an hour of us, like after that, probably we're all sitting there like this point, the sun's up, it's hot shining on us we're on the like east side of this hill and it's it, you know we're just hanging out so yeah, the, uh, the morning's hunt's blown yeah the, I, mean, I mean it's it's over for the morning at least at that point so then the warden drives out yep. and he pulls up behind the person and then you go down there and talk to the warden yep i went down and talked to the game warden uh really nice fella and uh was just trying to tell him you know hey 
I don't, you know, I, I basically gave him all the information I could to help, but I, there wasn't a whole lot I could give him because I was there whenever the guy was pulling out, but I didn't see what direction he headed or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, uh, talked to the warden and he came up and decided to check all of our licenses. <laughs> yes. Um, which is, you know, that's what he's there for. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, checked all of our licenses and it was all good tom you got to uh realize you got hustled which was kind of fun oh yeah let's <laughs> let's recap this so the day before we went down i told justin i was like hey i'm gonna make some last minute gear purchases and everything and then when i get to the sportsman place i realized that hey i don't have antelope tags and so I was like, "Hey, I'm a." I talked to you about it. Well, it's was, not that you don't have them. The, you didn't they didn't get mailed to me? Yeah. And so I was looking at it, discussing things with you, and I was like, "Hey, I'm just going to go inside and talk to the person to see what can happen." Um, get to the register, and I was like, "Hey, this is what happened. I never got mailed to me." And they're like, "Oh yeah, we can help you out." And initially, the one gentleman at the register was like, "Should only be like five dollars." Yeah, $5 uh, reprint. Yeah, right. And so I was like, hey, that's cool. I can afford that. And the other person was like, oh, checking it through and da 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 And she goes, oh, that's $50. And I was like, well, I'm not going to not go on this hunt. So here you go. Here's my card. I'll pay for it. Oof. And I get back out to the truck and I text you and Eric. Yeah. Hey, this is what's happening. And yeah. I, I think I called you too. And you're Likely. like, that doesn't seem right. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't seem right because I already had the elk tag. Yep. And so I went back in the store and they're like, yeah, we probably charged you wrong. I was like, I think you did. Can you reimburse me? They're like, no. So anyways, talk to the game warden. <laughs> no. <laughs> Which they probably could. Well, I didn't want to waste any time. I was already tired. Um. Talked to the game war, and he just kind of laughed at me because he was like, uh, yeah, you weren't supposed to do that. They should have just charged you for the antelope tags to duplicate them. He goes, I was like, so uh, do I just go down to one of your local offices and try and get reimbursed? Ultimately, probably not going to happen. So No. Well, at least you know your dollars should go into conservation. Correct. Or to Sportsman's Warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> Sportsman's Warehouse. <laughs> Which I was just Googling to see. Uh, I think it was supposed to be a $5 charge. So, But I think they do. It's $5 per. Correct. but It's $5 per. Uh, it's not like $5 to get your entire license reprint. Because I had to go get my fishing license. And he's like, oh, do you want to add your fur bear on here? And I was like, yeah, sure. And he's like, actually, it's another $5 to put the fur bear. So when they printed it, they hit you for your... Uh, hunting license, they hit you for your fishing license, they hit you for your small game, they hit you for your elk tag, and they hit you for your antelope tag. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Plus whatever processing fees they had, plus tax or whatever, that's why it was 50 bucks. But yeah, in reality, they should have been able to just print your antelope one, and that would have been only $5. Yeah, just the pronghorn. But like you said, conservation has got an extra 45 bucks. Somebody does. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Where were we at? Oh yeah. So we got our license checked. We yeah. got all our shit. We hung out. We chatted with uh, the warden for a bit, and uh, 
and then he basically left and was like, I'm going to go wait for this person to come back. Yeah. And so uh, we sat there, and while we were sitting there, somebody came out and, like, walked past the truck, which we thought this was, we were like, oh, this is going to be great. The drama is going to be on. And then uh, that person kept going. That person also well, looked – wait. Let me, let me hop, let, yeah, yeah, let hop me, in. So this is the guy and not in orange. So Oh, no, that was no, previous. This, so th- No, this is what happens. So the guy comes out to the truck. The warden comes out, thinks it's him, but the guy keeps walking past yep. the truck. As he the warden comes out and comes to the truck, the guy that wasn't wearing orange along the line of the property walks out. And so the warden comes back up, talks to me again, and I, and I was like, yeah. I'm like, did you see the guy over there just walked out not wearing any orange? And he was like, no, I missed him. Where's he at? And I'm like, he's driving off. <laughs> so, the guy was- came out, first day of rifle, which Colorado is pretty strict about their orange. It's like orange vest has to be visible from 360 and a hat. Yeah, and I, they're strict about their hats. They're strict about their hats. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the color. <laughs> Thank you, Zoe. It faded. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, I wore it. Well, we uh, got to tell the story now. I wore, yeah. So, all right. So the warden is sitting there talking to us in the initial, and he just like, he's staring at me oddly. And I'm like, okay. He's staring at the celebrity. No. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. We're going to, we're going to go down this rabbit okay, hole. Okay. Let's do it. So uh, when I went down to meet the warden initially, as we're walking back up, I'm like, just so you know, I'm like, the guy over the left, it's a celebrity. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, do harvesting nature. You haven't heard of it? And he's like, no. And I'm like, oh, you got to check it out. So immediately we get up there and, you know, he's the warden's kind of giving Justin a hard time about, you know, being a celebrity. And, and Justin's <laughs> hating every minute of it because um, I'll take the heat for this one. I'm a jerk. Uh, but it was just too much fun to pass up in the moment. But yeah, so um, so he, he's he's looking at me oddly, and he he gets quiet, and then he's looking at me, and I'm like, okay, I don't know what's going on here, and he's like, your hat's not orange enough; it's not fluorescent anymore. Yeah, and I was like, it's not, <laughs> and he's like, no, it's not. Do you have something else to put on your head? And I was like, yes, I do. And so I ended up wearing like a one one of our orange beanies yeah. for the rest of the weekend despite the heat yeah. <laughs> um uh, it, yeah it was a uh, I, I mean, mean it, it's okay it is what it is like right like i would rather be safe and i'm out there with my kiddo i would rather be safe than like the not so whatever i'm i'm happy to comply by rules if it's faded it's faded so absolutely no i mean I, I wouldn't have said I, I didn't tell you at the beginning of the hunt that I didn't think your hat wasn't fluorescent enough. Um, but at the same time, you it's know, all your guys' fault, right? Yeah, it's your fault too, Zoe. I, I, <laughs> that's why I, that's why I blame it on Zoe. Um, Zoe's fault. No, I mean, you want to split hairs about it? That's fine yeah. too, man. You know, it, uh, no, I mean, it's all good. I it I it didn't. I think, me, but dude, let's circle back around. So the guy came out with no camo. Or no orange in full camo. We couldn't tell if he was carrying a bow or a rifle. Yeah, I, I mean, I and I wasn't that concerned about it yeah. other than the fact that I was just curious, you know. And then so then he, the game warden, tries to run off and find out who that is or whatever. Yeah. But now the truck is still sitting there, and what? It's eleven o'clock. 
in which too at some point we had heard some shots and there was some debate on on where the shots had come from because so the the piece of land we were hunting there was also like a sliver of blm attached to it um and i my my speculation although we never found remains i think i think i'm gonna hold fast that i was right (laughs) um that it came from another piece of land like a mile away correct I don't that well we did we did find remains there correct but so the I don't area, know, one the, of those the area that I said the shot came from we found a dead antelope on yeah and the area that you said you heard the shot from there was no dead antelope on okay maybe it was far away yeah it yeah was a really loud <laughs> boom I mean wait no that doesn't support my <laughs> My it's both of yours. It doesn't matter. Yeah, no, it doesn't. I, I mean, I thought one guy was packing out because the way he had his rifle slung, but maybe he was just done and just had threw it on his pack. But yeah, who knows? Um, Did y'all make a bet on that? No. Oh, oh man, that would be fun. Why? Then it would have lost. <laughs> <laughs> Not fun at all. Um. So, essentially. We like hung out there, like knowing that it is. But at this point, and I told you earlier, I was like, I bet all the hunters are gonna be out by like ten. Yeah. And at ten o'clock, yeah, like we found we found ourselves, with the exception of the truck still parked in the middle. All the other trucks on the road were out. We weren't really sure where the other truck or the other person from the truck parked in the middle of the field was. But I wanted to go check out that piece of BLM land, so we like. Tom and Zoe and I gathered our stuff and we went back and Eric stayed there um, and went back and it was like, kind of went on a bit of a hike uh, through some, some river ravines and uh, buttes and all that to like kind of get back to where I wanted to get. But we got back there, great antelope country. And then we find a hunter there. And then as we're there, Eric texts me that the other guy came out and that the warden did confirm did confront him yeah and i'll let you tell that because you saw it oh man uh i you know it's like you want to feel sorry for the guy and then you remember he's the idiot but the guy comes out and sure enough the warden comes up catches him red-handed um they're sitting there they have a conversation i'm trying not to like glass the whole thing because the, you know, the mild the hunting drama. Right. Well, right. Telenovela. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, but, you know, like, I don't want to, like, be in their business, but I feel um, I feel like I've earned it because he's ruined my morning hunt at this point. But I'm watching, and uh, they start talking. The, the warden goes back, ends up taking the the hunter's rifle so i'm assuming he did worse something worse than i'm assuming he did something worse than park on state trust land because he ended up the warden took his rifle and went back there and wrote i don't know i mean it looked like the game warden was writing a novel on his tailgate before letting the guy go oh wow yeah but it was um watching it play out in front of me i i while I want to feel bad for the guy, um, I also am kind of happy that he got caught. Like, yeah, no, I don't know. I feel like it all depends on too. Like, I, I know me personally. Like, I'm s- super paranoid 
about not knowing the regulation for the area and then like tripping up and making a mistake and like even if I get caught like I feel bad in that moment you know then I realize like oh man I made a mistake and I'm like I'm not properly using the land or I'm not respecting the boundaries or I'm you know the landowner could be unhappy like I don't want to ruin the reputation for hunters like all these things like that but like there's a difference between an honest mistake and just like not looking into it yes and it was it's posted there yes and on a big sign yeah um and not only that um i mean everyone else is parked on the road how many trucks were there yeah like four yeah it's uh, even common sense should tell you hey i shouldn't drive out here Onto this very fragile landscape as the <laughs> land, the guy, the landowner. Quote unquote, as he drives out, it's <laughs> fragile. When you leave your, when you leave your tracks on it, it never grows back. It erodes. I'm like, you drove your truck out here like three quarters of a mile to get to us to tell us this. Yeah, man. But I mean, what it is, what it is. Um, no. So then Eric, Eric had told me like that was going down up there, and and we were back in the back. So now at this point, not expecting anybody to. <laughs> Not expecting anyone to um, to be back there, and like there's still a guy like roaming around back there at the bottom of like this BLM land. So we were like, ah, well, this spot looks really good, but we're gonna go ahead and head back. And then Eric tells me that the person parked their car and came back in without a rifle, so yeah. likely joining that other person. And so then from there we had lunch. Uh, Delicious lunch, uh, basically in in the full sun. Plenty of people dusting us, driving oh, by man. at thirty miles an hour. Man, I smelled I, I smelled dust like the entire weekend. Like you know, it's just like it's it's in your it's in your everywhere. Um, and yeah, and then we decided we we're gonna go check out another spot, uh, which that spot is the one we got up to. Um, and that somebody had shot an antelope there. We found, like, they used the gutless method on it. And so they would taken the quarters and uh, the loins and stuff like that off of it. And, um, you yeah, know, we scouted around a bunch. Oh, that, that piece of property was way better antelope country than, than some of the other spots. And then we decided we are going to go to another chunk of... The other one's the SWA, right? SWA, yeah. State, State Wildlife Area. And... Uh, that's where we decided we were going to try to get back into this one back parcel and then like, uh, camp there as well. Uh, just like camp, like Eric in the back of his truck and, uh, Tom had a tent, Zoe and I had a tent. And so we were going to camp there and stay the night and try to like hunt that. But like quickly realizing once we got there, um, that it was not great territory for antelope. Like the spots that were flat and open where you would find air antelope were either uh, surrounded by a lot of steep ground and like kind of a small pocket. So picture like either a butte, so where the sides are steep and the top is flat, or like I don't know what you would call this, and I'm probably gonna make make myself sound silly, but a reverse butte to where. Uh, let's call it a valley. Yeah, a valley will work. <laughs> yeah, a gorge would a probably gorge, would also a wide open spot that has steep uh, rises all around it. So likely not going to find antelope in those because they typically like to be able to run away really quickly, and they 
typically don't like going through the gorges and stuff. Like through my experience, I'm sure somebody else has had other experiences. Maybe the antelope are different in different places, but um, no, we hunted around there. Uh, got to see a double rainbow. Yeah, that, that was, was really pretty. Yeah, say that again. That was really pretty. The double rainbow. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. We t- we took some photos, some photo op times. Um, we also in that SWA saw the other hundred and thirty hunters. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. To include, to include the folks that double parked in the campground and took force took. Whoever you are, if you're listening, please and, don't. and you and there's a park. There's four parking spaces to camp in. Don't put your trailer in one of them and park your truck in the other. It's a public service announcement. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we ended up camping near there, but not in the camping area, which is like the camping area is nice and level and has good bottom, and everywhere else is just like craggly with cactus and rocks, as Tom found out. <laughs> I was too dang tired after I set that tent up to resituate, so I slept on a rock. Yeah, so all in all, I think the first day we did, we did probably seven miles, I think is what we tallied. Yeah, I think you guys went over seven. Um, yeah. I think you got because I did six. I think you guys did eight with your extra hike because I stayed to watch yeah. the the hunting soap opera. <laughs> yep. It feels like it was two miles, but more pain, like up a hill, a gigantic mountain. Two miles up a gigantic mountain. Yes. Yeah, and the only antelope I think we only saw, we saw one antelope. Uh, a young yearling buck, and then I saw a herd kind of tucked in somewhere, but all of them on private land, none of them public land. Um, probably due to all the 130 hunters we saw. Correct. And then the one person shot one. So then we devised our strategy for the next day, which was going to be to go back to the previous spots and kind of like hop around, basically spend as much time moving and covering land as as we could and there was one spot of blm that we hadn't really checked out the day before before we move on okay there's something i want to talk about here with fellow hunters because i had to explain this and this has nothing to do with hunting but it has to do with the night before the second day okay so i've come up with a conclusion and i'd love to hear some feedback on this okay but i think there is a rule somewhere that says that if you are actively hunting you cannot drink good beer. It has to be <laughs> like, so coming from the side, I actually was trying to explain this. No, that's me. Sorry. I was trying to explain this to, uh, to someone of why we were um, drinking cheaper beer. And I, they were like, first off, Coors banquet beer is a luxury beer. All right. Listen, I hear you out here in Colorado. It's the land of, you know, plentiful when it comes to your beer choices. <laughs> Um, but I was trying to explain to this person that, um, you have to. Yeah. So like growing up in the Southeast, it was always bush light. Yep. And, uh, you know, up in the Midwest, it's either hams. Yep. And, uh, hams, PBR, Montucky or Coors banquet. I, my point is I, I am too, when I'm hunting, I also bush light because I'm from the Southeast. Not a bush latte fan. Nobody is. <laughs> is so technically is is it hams or ham? Hams. Yeah. <laughs> it's from Minnesota. That so, sounds really but no, weird. Um that's the thing is that you would 
when would you ever order if you and I went out for our strategic planning meeting at a local brewery you didn't order a hams there as no point. they didn't have it oh get out get <laughs> <laughs> but this is my point though like I uh I'm never ordering a bush light when I go out to the bar well I mean I I think the thing of it is too is like I don't want to drink a you know a heavy beer like I like good beer I do and I think all those are great beers. I think there are other not great beers that I wouldn't drink also, but I think I think that I think yeah, I think it's a requirement. I do too no, I, I, I'm I'm forming this hypothesis. I think all those would be great beers and sponsors for this show. <laughs> yes, please. Montucky, I've already talked to you. Come on. Come no. Um so one thing I think about though is you think about the availability of beers right. at like proximity to places you you would hunt slash camp and i don't like if we're going back country or we're doing things like that like i'm not taking beer but like if we're just like car camping or doing whatever like i want to have a, a beer at night and just like hang out uh and then you know go hunting the next day so. no i 100 percent agree i just i had to explain myself to my friend as to why i would be going that route for my beer decision yeah. making and i was like i think it's a requirement well i think too you don't want like a high alcohol high alcohol uh content like brew absolutely no i agree with you i agree with what you're saying i just i'd love to hear others experience if somebody yeah. if, if there's somebody out there that just is like no I, I take my double porter i'd love to laugh at them that may be the that may be the uh title of the show here I take my double porter antelope hunting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's see. So, all right, we've moved on. So now we're at day two. Day two's a special day. Uh, so we go to this. We we take the long route around from the state land over to the the land we'd hunted previously the day before. We saw the the great hunting drama of October twenty twenty two. And on in route, there's a, a sliver of BLM, and it's probably four hundred yards wide. Yeah, yeah, and about a mile deep. Yep, and it's got a portion of the road on it, and so we're like, oh, we're gonna pass by. And so as we pass by, adjacent to that, there are two antelope bucks, one very mature one and one who is a yearling who possibly has antlers that are under that five inch rule and so we decide then and there that we're going to go set up actually you guys decide and i decided to make coffee which for those that know the coffee stories with me that's when we see game um do you guys go Go set up for that, and so I'll, I'll let you both collectively share. So first off, Tom's up to shoot first because it's his first antelope hunt. So you guys just tag team this emotions, feelings, excitement, what whatever, play by play. Yeah, so we all decided that Eric and I would go out there. Um, Eric gives me a little prep talk about how we're going to get up there, and just number one rule: do not look at them. Yeah. Do Which, not look Medusa in the eyes. You'll turn to concrete. And I'm not going to lie. I was kind of looking at Eric crazy because I was like, if we're just ignoring them, they're going to be cool with it. Because like I told you all before, I've only white-tailed hunt 
And so, yeah, it turned out true. Eric's like, you're looking at him? I was like, no, I'm not looking at him. And through your fingers. Like, every time Eric would look back, or I would look back when Eric looked back, he was they were just chilling. Yeah, that antelope, like, that antelope did not care. Because I was, like, I was making coffee, but I was also trying to, like, make a lot of noise and, like, distract him so he wasn't watching you guys and he was watching me instead, which didn't work. He didn't care about anything. Yeah. Um. So, it is a theory. And yeah. We talked about this, but I, I have subscribed to it, and it has treated me well with not only antelope but mule deer, which is if you are actively not giving them attention, if you're not acting like you're a predator, I've had much better lucks on stalks. So, we didn't have – there was no way we were getting to any of the, the greenery from where we were at. Um, either without low crawling 800 yards up a hill or just giving it a shot for Tom to get up close to it. So, um, we used that method and two of us, Tom and I literally walked 400 yards across and another 500 yards back, just slowly, methodically kind of, um, Another another way I describe it is just kind of kicking the dirt in front of you, mm-hmm. um, just acting like you don't care about the animal at all. And the animal was actively, like if you picture a triangle, the animal was, the antelope was meeting us at, like he was walking yeah. towards where we were walking towards. Yes. We ended up um, with him. I asked Tom what, what, at what comfort level you were comfortable shooting, and you said, you know, somewhere between two and 300 was, you know, plenty for you. And I said, okay, well, we're going to go for that tree over there to try and get some cover. And we made it there. And, um, at first when we saw, when we first saw the yearling antelope, I said, I told you, I said, I think that's illegal. I think that's a legal antelope. And we got out there and we got to, he was, at, I ranged him at 300. I told Thomas, I, I think he's a legal antelope. And, but he kept, he was coming towards us still. And Tom and I were in a great ambush spot where, I mean, we were right there. Didn't even need to stalk him anymore. We had tree for cover and, uh, he got within 200, he mm-hmm. was at 199. And I looked at Tom and I said, I think I don't know anymore. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I told you guys, ultimately, I think his horns were somewhere between four and six inches. And that's just too much for my comfort level. Yeah. Um, I think it could have completely been a legal antelope. Could have also not been a legal. Man, I I don't know. I wouldn't have shot it. And I told you guys that from the beginning. I was like, I don't, I don't, I would not feel comfortable shooting this antelope. And then I looked it up later after we talked about it, and it was like an antelope's ears are on average five and a half inches tall. But right. that depends on food, water, age, all these things. Like, there's so many factors, but it's like. It was so very close to call. Yeah. And, and and ultimately, you don't, if it's too, you know, it's not one of those things you want to find out that you're wrong after no. the fact. Um, I told you the one that I killed the year before was a yearling buck, and I was, I was comfortable with him. And uh, the one thing that I was curious about with this one, the two things were he had a full black patch. Yeah. Which meant he probably was a full year old. Yeah. Um, which scared me a little bit. And I just. I also had a tag, so if I felt comfortable, I could have pull, pulled the trigger, even mm-hmm. if Tom wasn't. But I, I told Tom I couldn't comfortably do it, and I let you make your own decision. So. Well, we look, 
I looked through the scope. You looked through the binos. We did that like five times because we were sitting there discussing it the whole time while he was moving towards us. And he got what he was in between 100 and 200. Yeah, he got to 199. Yep. And then we finally made the call that we weren't going to do it. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then he just kind of like meandered away, yep. like not spooked. Uh, you guys walked back and he just like walked away. And we we're like, okay. And then we saw across the hill behind us as it was making coffee there were two doe antelope that decided just to pop out of nowhere and then we were like okay cool same scenario there's obviously something they're moving towards that way so we all then collectively went and got at the top of the hill and unfortunately those doe antelope like spooked um so we went up and sat at the top of the hill uh just kind of like glass around waiting for for some of the antelope to potentially come our way and who but saunters in the young same antelope, the same young antelope buck. Um, and this time he's just like walking towards us. And so I take my game bag out and I put it on a tree uh, because I know that I know that in fact in the past I've used a game bag as a flag, as a way that antelope will stop and will come towards it because they're curious. Versus like a human silhouette where they won't be. Um, so I put it there and he like started slowly closing the distance. And he closed the distance from, I think I ranged originally at 230. And he got down to probably 75 yards away. Yep. And then at that point, he dropped in like a little gully. And we also all at this point put like, we put glass on him and all agreed unanimously like not a legal buck right like his his antlers were exactly at the tip of his ears so five and a half inches or more right yeah so not not none of us at that point were comfortable we could have like i, I could have thrown a rock at him <laughs> correct but i did shoot him with my camera yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i got probably like one of the most the coolest pictures I've I, I will see. I actually need to put it. I'll put it on the computer here in a bit uh, after this. And but he's on a ridge, and uh, he's kind of like quartering away from me. But in the background are the uh, the range called here in Colorado the Wet Mountains, and so you can just see that in the background. Super super cool picture. Um, I'll put it up on social media too uh, as we kind of tell the story. It may by the time you listen to this, it may already be up because I'm excited to share some of our photos. But um. Got super close to him. That antelope did not care about anything. No. He did. You could. Ha- I think I could have knifed him. Yeah. Like I told you at one point, like I should have just knifed him and then claimed self-defense because nobody would have <laughs> believed that story yeah. anyways. So. No. So then, uh, uh, then, you know, then I came back and we did some chatting. And so I wanted to go back to the BLM land from the day before that was the other sliver. And so Tom and Zoe were going to go with me. And Eric was going to stay there and at this spot and hang out. And I'll let you tell the story because we start walking back. Yeah, we start walking back and we're just taking our time. But, I mean, just another thing. We decided last the night before that we were going to try and shoot some rabbits if we could. Because yep. we all had our small game tags. Um, so we're walking back and we were, what, not even – we're about 50 yards away from where Eric was. More or less. And not even 10 feet from me, I look up. From the ground, and I see a rabbit. A giant fluffy rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, correct. 
And so I told I told you and Zoe, I was like, stop. And she was just sitting there blending in with the brush. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Justin, I think I see a rabbit. Yeah. And I was like, holy smokes. Yeah, there's a giant jackrabbit there. Like the size of a house cat. And so you walk up and we're sitting there pondering how we should take this. Yeah. So, so I was like, we're sitting there looking at each other. I was like, here, here's my knife. Yeah, and I was like, I, I don't, I, I don't feel comfortable. Nor did I know the legality of knifing a rabbit. Um, so then I, I was like, then the rabbit gets up and like freezes again, and like this weird pose of like you can't see me, but you can't see me. And then it like does the the normal rabbit thing where it runs like a big circle and comes back around within like twenty yards of you. So like. I marked a spot on my Onyx, and I was like, "All right, we're gonna go. We're gonna go down to the truck. I'm gonna get my 22, and I'm gonna come back up here." And I was like, "Wait!" I was like, "Tom, Zoe, you guys just stay here. The rabbit's like right there. If the rabbit moves, just follow the rabbit." Um, so they uh, they stay there, and I walk down. It takes me about 15 minutes to walk down and back because we were probably like a quarter mile or half mile away from probably half mile away from the truck. Um, so I walk back, swap out, grab the 22, come back up, take care of business with the rabbit. And, uh, this rabbit's huge. Like if you go on our social media, I just posted a reel today. Uh, it's a great reel. Actually, it's about advertising. So if you have, if you're an advertising partner, we just started our advertising program up for podcasts, for magazine, for website, but look at the reel. The opening picture for the reel is me skinning this jackrabbit. And I would say like, it was Probably the size of my upper torso, like lengthwise, once you had it stretched out. I've got all the meat um, in the fridge upstairs. I did a little dry age on it. So it's a jackrabbit, so they're big rabbits. Yeah, that's it right there. Yeah, it's a large It's a large rabbit. Um, that is a large rabbit. Yeah, I think we've got a good amount of meat up there that I'm going to play around with. Um, but I, I also really mm-hmm. like jackrabbit. I've got some good recipes, some old older recipes up on the website. Uh, from some times where I shot some when I was living in California. Um, but still pretty tasty. They're dark meat instead of a light meat. Um, but yeah, got that all skinned out, ready to go. And then we decided we're all now collectively going to go back to the BLM land, which we get back there. And then as we get back there, it part of it is on this ridge overlooking the wet mountains again. And this time the wet mountains are truly wet and there's like a big storm rolling in. Um... So we essentially uh, turned right around and like moved quickly as we could back towards the vehicles, which were at that point about two miles away, um, and got got there before it started really coming down. Then it started coming down, and we tried to go to a couple other spots, but just like the rain, the viz, the access, these roads were not great. Um, I don't know, though. Uh I think all in all, for my first time, not my first time Colorado antelope hunting, but my first time getting very near to Colorado antelope, uh, I think we all agree that this zone was not our first, this unit was not our first choice. It was literally my eighth. Eighth choice. Eighth choice. I don't even think, I I didn't even put in for the antelope draw, the primary, because I wasn't planning on it, because I had all my eggs in the basket for Wyoming, which... I ended up drawing two antelope tags and a mule deer tag for, which some people were probably upset about because they drew none. But I don't know. Yeah. We like antelope here. But, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Let's 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 we'll, we'll close out quickly here uh, as we're we're getting near time. But um, thoughts on kind of like the hunt as a whole, or like last thoughts or takeaways. Uh, we'll we'll just go kind of a around the room. Sure. Uh, first thing, uh, you had mentioned something we were when we were, for lack of a better term, trying to get away from that storm. Yeah. On the last day, uh, you mentioned something on the walk back that I want to give credit where credit is due, which is the three of us are all tall big men yeah and zoe kept up with all of us on that oh yeah at that grueling pace out and you had made a comment about how good of a hunter she already is oh yeah and man it was impressive i was legit impressed zoe so good job on that pretty stoked i mean you're you're 10 years old and at this point this is like the second major like trip you've taken with me for like a couple days i think Yes, I think the first one was in Florida. No, well, all right, so maybe the third. So the one last year when Colin was mule deer hunting here, and we did we did 10 miles that day because I calculated it all up. And that one ended with Zoe being like, do we really have to go over there? Like, I'm, I'm very tired. Can we drive to it or, like, go home? And so I called it, which I think is – I'll give this. This is a hot tip for, for parents out there. As you introduce your kid to the – outdoors like recognize that moment to stop because if you push them past that moment that it's going to take the enjoyment factor out and that's not what you want them to remember yeah absolutely man and i mean she's my daughter's age yeah uh, that, so that's why it triggered to me yeah, yeah. so so it's why it rains heavy but uh if you come on a hunt with me again or if i go on a hunt with you i would be more than happy to have zoe come along as a hunting partner again zoe do you have any thoughts before before you go because you got to go to bed uh not that much i don't want to go again you want to go it. again yes okay awesome. well that's good that's mission accomplished all right zoe is going to sign off all right please keep going yeah um but no as far as my uh my experience ultimately um i don't want to hunt that unit again but if given the uh, you know the option of you don't get to hunt antelope or you have to hunt this unit, which has pretty much been my option for the past two years. Yeah. I'll go back down there again. Yeah, um, I think so. I, um, I, I was telling your wife when I came in about how um, I had a great weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it, I, that was a very successful hunt to me. Whether that's how I, I don't define success by if I fill a tag or not. I define it by building friendships and having a good time. And that's what this weekend was for me. So I appreciate you two coming down there with me. Yeah, absolutely. Tommy, you got some last thoughts? Um, So it was my first time ever at antelope hunting. Um, First of all, I just want to thank you and Eric for uh, teaching me and uh, mentoring me about hunting antelope and really uh, giving me a good experience out there. I mean, we didn't kill anything, but like Eric said, it's all about the experience, friendships, and uh, learning, uh, and like getting that knowledge so I can hopefully pass it down one day to my kids. Um, overall, I think it was very successful. Was I worn out? Uh, you dang straight I was. But I wouldn't have quit. I mean, we were all worn out, but we kept on going uh, to hopefully get us something, but ultimately good experience, and I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I had a great weekend. Um, I do think, yeah, this, the, it's a two-part success 
piece in my mind. Like one, getting Zoe out to to hunt and experience big game. Like that's that's one of the reasons I wanted to move out to Colorado is to make it more accessible. Um, you know, for for her to come along and like the plan is like she's she's waitlisted right now for Hunter's Ed, and hopefully we'll get her out, get through that class, and out for some some late season hunts and small game and stuff like that. So that that definitely keeping cultivating that that uh, interest for me is there and then getting Tom involved in sort of like his first Western style hunt of like, Hey, it's time to go out and we're going to, we're going to hike and we're going to glass and we're going to spot and we're going to stock and we're going to glass and we're going to eat freeze dried meals. And we're going to worry about drinking all of our water, eating all of our snacks, like, you know, those things. (laughs) Um, so, and, and I, I say, Thanks to you guys for putting it with me, because like I'm, I it's hard for me to sit in one spot for very long. I get very fidgety. Yeah, <laughs> we <Yeah>. noticed. Yep. <laughs> I, uh, and, and I mean, you know, yeah. I think I think in a different unit. I think this. The, yeah. It, it, I, it becomes hard to. I want to move when there's nowhere to move to. I do too. But no, I I'm I'm of the same mind of you. Is that if given the opportunity to hunt this spot again, if there was no other option, like I would go down, but I feel like I'm a little more comfortable now to know, like, oh, I'm not going to go over to that piece of land. I'm not going to go waste my time there. I'm not going to do this. Like I'm going to get there early. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to like kind of rotate around and stake, you know, quote unquote, stake my claim to certain pieces. So, yeah. but I mean, also dude, there's like, there's a ton of pressure in that spot, but that's one reason why I really love antelope is because it's not like, it's not like elk it's not like some things where you know there's like a morning hunt and an afternoon hunt like you're generally engaged in the hunt all day because like for the most part of the weather's right and everything lines up like the antelope are moving continuously um which gives you the opportunity on you know a 400 by one mile piece of land or a you know a 200 by 200 mile piece of land. Like if the antelope are there and they're moving around, it just takes them being in the spot that you need them to be in, which happens. Um, no, all around successful hunt. Um, I am excited though, to go to, to move forward into the next and hopefully connect with some, some other antelope and, you know, up in Wyoming, but, um, no, excited. We did it. And, I think too, like one of the major takeaways for me is like starting to sort of stretch my wings more and more here in Colorado because I do like hunting the plains. I like hunting the eastern plains, like we did with antelope and mule deer last year uh, with Colin. And sort of my plan was to get back out to some of those same spots, but like Eric mentioned, like it just didn't line up. And then um, instead of doing antelope archery, I did some antelope or some elk archery instead. So I kind of like changed up my priority, but. Um, Really, really good weekend. Ready to move to the next. But I do want to say thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, I know this is a little deviation of our normal one, but I like to keep you guys on your toes to hear some good deep dive stories. Hopefully you took some great lessons from it. Hopefully you uh, think about hunting in Colorado. Uh, It's a great place to do it. I mean, sorry, it's a terrible place to hunt. Nobody should come here. No, that's never going to be my mindset. Like, it's a great place to come. Like, come out, hunt with us, shoot me a message. Let's hunt antelope together, whatever you want to do. Uh, but as always, our show notes will be online. 
So all the links to things that we mentioned that are linkable will be available there, and you can click and read and do whatever. Um, also, to head over to social media, make sure you're following us, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the – all the. <laughs> I put those pictures up on my Instacart. So. Your Instacart? Yeah, if you need <laughs> yeah, them, you Nice. <laughs> and the snap face. <laughs> the snap face. Perfect. So yeah. Uh, the weekend. Just so they're, they're all there. Don't forget to hit checkout on the <laughs> – <laughs> Um, make sure you're, you're subscribed to that so you can see what all we're doing there. Uh, and then whatever podcast platform you're listening to, punch that five star button, leave us a review, tell us we're doing wrong or, you know, tell us we're doing right. Thanks everybody. Have a good night. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. A mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.